Welcome. Thank you for listening to another faith-generating word by David Entry. God has packed life in the words of an anointed man of God. Prepare your heart to receive and for your life to change through this anointed message. Be blessed. Thank you for the privilege to hear your word. Our spirits are open. Deposit yourself into us. Reveal yourself to us as we hear your word. That we will not be the same again. Because the entrance of your word gives light and gives understanding to the simple. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. In the book of Acts, there was a gentleman called Philip who had an encounter or met a gentleman, an, an Ethiopian politician who was traveling, who had come to Jerusalem and was traveling back. And he went on his chariot. And that Ethiopian politician who was a practitioner of the things of God was at that time reading his scriptures. And he was reading from Isaiah. And Philip went to him and Philip asked him one simple question. And he said, Acts chapter 8 verse 30, do you understand what you are reading? And the first time I saw this scripture, I saw it in the King James, which made an impact on my understand that what thou readest. <laughs> Understandest what thou readest. Praise the Lord. It's very important. It was a profound question the gentleman asked him. Because your understanding of the text of scripture would define to a very large extent and to every extent what God is able to do and continue to do with you and in you and through you. So in church, the purpose is not just to meet one another. It's also, Bible says that, and they continued in the apostles' doctrines. The teachings of the apostles so that someone can have an understanding. And the man said, how can I understand? Except, isn't it interesting how someone can buy a gadget and it comes with a manual and says, as for me, I never read manuals because I just, I can't understand it. You can't just assume comprehension. Comprehension comes with teaching and studying after you have been taught. That is why it's necessary that when we come to church, we have to be taught the ways of God, the things of God, the word of God, so that someone can gain understanding. Say understanding. Understanding. Bible talks about the parable of the sower. Jesus said that the ones which fell by the wayside, the one who hearing the word did not understand it. But I said, the one who bears fruit is the one who understood it and put it into practice. So it starts with your understanding. Once you understand what the scripture is saying, you are already on the highway of blessings. Someone say amen. Amen. So it's necessary for us to give ourselves to teaching. He said, until I come, give yourself, devote yourself to the reading of public scripture and the teaching of God's word. So someone is blessed here this morning. I said, someone is blessed here this morning. Even what, how you respond to what I say has everything to do with your understanding of what you say and what I'm saying and how things operate in God. 
Bible says Jesus saw Jerusalem and wept over the city. He says he said that for you do not know the things that pertain to your visitation. There are some things you have to know. So when Paul was praying for the early church, his first prayer for the church, Ephesian church in Ephesians chapter 1, he said, my first prayer is not for you to get some physical things, some blessing. He said, my prayer for you is that God will grant you the spirit of revelation and the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding will be enlightened. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 16, 17 and 18. He said that the eyes of your understanding, the eyes of your comprehension, the eyes of your heart, some translation put it, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Then what will be the resultant effect? That ye may know. Did you see that? That is the biggest prayer I prayed for the church. The first church is the, the, the prayer of enlightenment. That you will know. And my prayer for you this morning is that you will know the things that pertain to your salvation. Amen. Bible talks about the things that accompany salvation. When you are saved, it's not just the saving for, your, for you to go to heaven, but there's a lot more that comes with it. So it's that you will know the things that, that accompany salvation. Somebody is blessed. I so as you, as you come to church and the word of God is taught, you have to make it your, your duty and make it your point and make it a, a habit that you won't be distracted, but you stay focused so you can grasp what God is trying to um, communicate to us or impart on our life. That is what is going to have an impact on your life, and that's what is going to define how you can enjoy your work with God. Amen. Apostles' Creed says, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of the heavens and the earth, and in Jesus Christ, his... Let's all start. Let's go. I believe in God, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Virgin Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Hallelujah. I believe in the Holy Ghost. So I believe in God the Father. I believe in God the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. And I also believe in the, the Holy Catholic Church. The communion of saints. The fellowship of saints. The forgiveness of sins. That's where it starts for you. It all starts with forgiveness of sins in God. Because the trouble began with sin. It was sin that made Adam and Eve got driven out of the presence of God. In Isaiah, I puts it this way. It's not that his ears are not that he can hear or his hands are not sure that he can save. But your sins have separated you from God. Our sins bring, create a gap, a dent or a gap, 
a space between us and God. So it breaks the continuum. It breaks the fellowship. It breaks our access into heaven or unto him because he's a holy God. And not just, not, not just that he's a holy God, but also he's a just God. You cannot be a transgressor and be a best friend of a just God. He cannot be part of our sins. So the problem started with sin. And so your blessing begins with the forgiveness of sins. Let's, let's all say, blessings begin with the forgiveness of sins. Say it again, please. Because the truth of the matter is that you can tell me about how God is Father Almighty. How Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, crucified, died, and was buried, descended into hell, third day, rose again from the dead, ascended into heaven, and seated at the right hand of God. For what? And so what? And so what? What has that got to do with me? Do you understand that? So that is where we come in. Because of that, then you can talk about, I believe in the forgiveness of sins. Because that's why he came to do all that he had to do. So that you and I will be forgiven. So he says, I believe in the forgiveness of sins. Now watch this. The reason why I had to emphasize and say a bit more about forgiveness of sins is that that is where it starts, but that's not where it ends. That's where it starts. Something starts. It's like when a, a woman conceives it begins a whole new process of life. She gives birth. She becomes a mother. She feeds a baby. The baby grows. She's she's become a mother for life. But it starts from somewhere. In the same way, forgiveness of sin is not the end, but it's the beginning of our blessings. Right, so, but if we have been forgiven of our sins, then the problem that sin brought to humanity, must, we must begin to enjoy the blessings that sin took away from humanity. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. Right. So we are forgiven our sins, but that is not it. We, we have life. We have the life of God. We are alive, but our bodies are subject to human frailties. So after we die, there's a time coming when this body will be resurrected. I believe in the resurrection of the body. But the truth is that after the resurrection of the body, you know, I heard someone say this, which I found very interesting. He said, some people, you see, I I, am, he says that, all right, back to what he said. He said, I believe in the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Now today I'll focus a bit more on life everlasting. Now, watch this. I heard someone say this. I like it. He said, some people think, well, 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 life everlasting. God, all I need is just to live forever so that you just are managing to get in. Now, once you get in and you have the chance to live forever, now you can live anyhow. But it's not, it's not quite like that. It's not quite like that. When, 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 so when we are forgiven of our sins and we resurrect, we have resurrection of the physical body, the life that we have, the life that we live, is not our, norm, our normal, natural life, but is, watch this, is, is the life that cannot sin. 
It's the life that cannot sin. It's the, the, the God kind of life in its fullness. Till we all come to the unity of faith. So to the fullness of the stature. Everlasting life has everything to do. Once we resurrect from the dead, bodily resurrection, we now come into the fullness of who Christ is and what Christ has actually done for us. So at the moment, we are in the process till we all come to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man. Say perfect man. Perfect. Say it again. Perfect. Say for the last time. Perfect. Isn't it interesting how he said we all come to a perfect man. Not perfect people. Not perfect men. But perfect man because we are all one new man. So we all come to a perfect man. To the measure of the stature of actually the fullness. We don't fall short of who the fullness of Christ is. But that's where we are going. And so you know what takes us there? It's interesting. We, it, it, it starts with teachings. <laughs> it starts with teaching. He said in verse 12, For the equipping of the saints, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, till we all... So the saints must be equipped through the word of God, through teaching, for the equipping of the saints. The word equipping has to do with teaching, mending. I think catechismo. That's why we get the word catechism. Catechism. Catechism is teachings. The Greek word is catechismo, something like that. So until we all come, so through teaching and teaching, we all are growing. We are all coming to the unity of faith, but we will not get, get, quite get there fully until the final. That's why the Bible says that he's coming for a glorious church. In Ephesians chapter 5, he says he's returning for a glorious church. Does that mean that at that time, you have, I can't use the word you have finished sinning, <laughs> but sin has left you, so you are now full. No, we are not, actually, as a matter of fact, the church is growing. The body of Christ is growing. The more we are growing, not necessarily numerically, but in maturity. Becoming more like Christ. We are becoming more like Christ. We are becoming more like Christ. So in 1 John chapter 3, verse 2, he said, when he appears, we shall be like him. He's coming for a glorious church. Someone shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. Shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. So it's necessary to understand that when, when when he appears, it's not just like because we have just glorified bodies, but we are actually like him. Sinless, unable, unable to sin. Before we came to Christ, we are unable not to sin. After we came to Christ, like right now, those of us who are born again, we are able not to sin. Did you get that? Before Christ, you are unable not to sin. After Christ, when you come to Christ, you are born again, you are able not to sin because if, according to Romans Romans chapter 6 14 says that for sin will no longer have dominion over yes. us hallelujah I can't wait for second service new creation realities for sin will no longer have dominion over us since we are the grace right so previously previously sin used to have dominion control over you that's why the things you don't like to do you find yourself keeping doing but once you are in Christ you are empowered by his spirit in your inner man to be able to look at sin right in the eyes and say no to say no to sin that's what a believer has which an unbeliever doesn't have I'm not talking about morality. Drop it. There's a difference between morality and sin. 
You may be doing something that is legal, but it's still sin. There's a difference between morality and sin. That's why the church, the standard of God, Bible says that, Galatians chapter 5, verse 23, it said, this fruit of the spirit, against which there is no law. It's above human law. All right, so, so then, let me go back to what I was saying, very important thing, then we move on quickly. Before we came to Christ, we were unable not to sin. How many of you agree with me? Yeah. Or some of you don't. <laughs> we are unable not to sin. After we came to Christ, we are able not to sin. But guess what? In the glorification, when Christ comes, we are unable to sin. You, you can't sin because you, you can't sin. You, you are, you are, your body has been glorified. You're to match up with your spirit. So when you are born again, ha, I like this one. Listen, when you are born again, your spirit is new, it's renewed, and it can never get any newer. When you are born again, you have a perfect spirit. That's right. With an imperfect body and a troubled soul. Ah. <laughs> That's why what you need is the word of God to work on your soul. That's where the problem is. Your soul, your soul. Which, uh, your soul tells your body what to do and your body follows on. It's your soul. And Bible says that you have to receive with meekness, humility, the engrafted word. You have to, and the word must be implanted in your life. The one translation said, the implant of God's word. It must be implanted not in, in just uh, because you just read it, but it must be part of your life. Implanted in your soul. He said that so that you get to, which is able to save your soul. It will save your soul. Your soul is the problem. Where the problem is, your thinking. Your soul has to do with the things you think about, the things you will to do. I want, I want. Am I speaking the truth? What's yeah. my problem? Our problem has to do with I want, I want, I want. Oh, I feel, I feel, I feel, I feel, I feel, I feel very upset. I feel very angry. That is your soul. So sometimes we are, con- some of us, sometimes if you don't take care, you'll be controlled by your soul. Even though your spirit is renewed. So what you are supposed to do is keep eating to feed your spirit. That your spirit is empowered to bring your soul under subjection. So you can be born again. If you don't feed your spirit, you find yourself doing things that you know you don't want to do. Because your soul is still empowered. Christian walking in sin has everything to do with Christian who is not feeding his spirit. Stop being religious. Religious people are more concerned about what you have done, what you haven't done. But God is concerned about how you have fed your spirit. Because once your spirit is fed, you will take care of all the... Because the strength is... You are a new person in the spirit. Now watch this. As I said, you can't get any newer. Oh, oh, look at what I'm listening to. This is a very strong statement I'm about to make. You can't get any better in your spirit as, your Christi- as a Christian. At that time when your child will become a better, better moral child for you. Once a son, always a son. Do you understand what I'm saying? So if you are a son of God, the DNA of God that gave birth to you doesn't get better. You are just perfect spiritually. But now it has to catch up with your soul. And as it catches with your soul, it has some influence on your body to a certain extent. But after a time, when Christ comes, the body will now also change and catch up with the glorious body of Christ. <laughs> Shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Then, watch this. 
Then you begin to live eternally in that new state. Somebody is blessed. So when it says I believe in life everlasting, let's look into the text because let's look into a few texts. John 3.16. Simple, isn't it? Yeah. Simple scripture. John 3.16. Shall we all say it together from the screen? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have but have what? But have what? How do you have everlasting life? Alright. Believing in Jesus Christ. Now, what is everlasting life? First of all, not in the order of importance, but just in the order of comprehension so it can make it easier for you. Everlasting life, the, uh, the, the Greek word for the everlasting life sounds something like ionos, ionos, ion, which is times. And ionios, which has to do with, watch this, um, and the unknown times. The unknown times. The times that are out of the mind. Your mind cannot comprehend or grasp those times. You, there's nothing you know about it. It's beyond human comprehension. There, there are times ahead. That's why science cannot tell you that time because it's beyond the mind. Everlasting life. Everlasting life also means that life that has is not bound by time. So a kind of, kind of straightforward, everlasting. It lasts for how long? It lasts for how long? That's the simplest meaning. Everlasting, it lasts forever. Kind of life. But much more, and more importantly, it means Zoe. Zoe, which is the God kind of life. Which is also called in the verse 15 on John 3. We read John 3, 16, isn't it? But look at verse 15. He calls it a different name. Let's all read it out together. Let's read it. Did you notice that? Some of you have noticed that. You see, this is virtually like John 3, 16. Eternal, so not internal. There's a difference between internal and eternal. Okay. <laughs> have eternal life. If you believe in him, you have eternal life. He said if you believe in him, you have everlasting life. If you, it's the same thing. Everlasting life is eternal life. Eternal life is everlasting. But has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Who has done what? Abolished death. Do you know what it means to abolish death? Do you know slavery was abolished some time ago? That means it's not allowed anymore. He said death is no more allowed. He's abolished death. And what, not just that. See, two things. He abolished death, but he brought something as well. He brought life. And do you know what immortality means? Hey, hallelujah. Before Christ, no one knows what immortality means. How can you know? Because you are mortals. We are mere mortals. Mere mortals. That means that mere people who die. You, are not, you cannot live forever. You are not permitted and you cannot because you are a mortal. But Jesus Christ abolished death and brought life and immortality to light. <laughs> Let's clap for him. Clap for Jesus. 
life and immortality to, to light. He brought it, made it a reality. He made it a reality, Jesus Christ. So then, when you have Christ, when you are in Christ, when we talk about Zoe, we are talking about the indestructible. Oh, ah, this is a strong one. Listen, the uncreated. The life that you get when you are born again is an uncreated life. That's why it cannot die. Because it wasn't created, it cannot die. It cannot end. It's called everlasting life. It's called, it's called eternal life. And where can it be found? Only in Jesus. Hallelujah. No one can guarantee you eternal life. No one. No one. Jesus said it in the, in the book of John chapter 6 verse 27. He was 26, 27. He was telling them about, you guys are following me because of food. You are only thinking about what you will eat and how much you will eat. And he said, when you eat natural food, you will die soon. But the food I'll give you, when you eat, he says that, verse 26, Jesus answered them and said, most assuredly I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Stomach direction. <laughs> Is it possible you are in church because of stomach direction? That can bring you into church. That's okay. But don't let that keep you in church. <laughs> let your, your desire for Christ, your quest to know God, to serve God, to be filled with God and Christ, that is what should motivate you to pursue God. So you can say, I'm chasing after you. Praise the Lord. He says that you came because you were filled. Your stomach, your bellies were filled. That's why you came back. You came for another dose. But Jesus said, that, but the devil is a liar. <laughs> then verse 27, he said, do not labor for food which perishes, but for food which endures for everlasting life. Did you see that? So who endures to everlasting life, which the son of man will give you because God the father has set his seal on him. So he said, that's what you have to labor for. Labor for eternal life, everlasting life, the everlasting life which endures forever. Okay, the food that endures to everlasting life. And that's the son, by believing in him. All right? And when you read John chapter 11, verse 25 and 26, that is when he told Martha that I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Once you believe in him, you are introduced to everlasting life, eternal life. And indestructible. It does not die. It doesn't die. It's an indestructible life. And it abides forever. Not watch, there's a difference between living and surviving. A lot of people are living are surviving in London. <laughs> they are managing life. They are surviving. They are not living. <laughs> they are surviving. Now, when he says that this life that he will give you, you, you will live forever, you will not die. He's not talking about you will just exist, you will have existence. Most people think we talk about existence. No, it's not just existence. You are talking about the richness of, the reality of life, what life is about, its fullness. You will have it, and so after death, life even gets better. You will enjoy life better after death. That's why the Christian is not a miserable man. It, because he says that even in this well, the Lord, we have we are most miserable. But you see, our hope is not just in this. In fact, the bigger portion of our life is the after, after here. 
the after here. That is the bigger portion. So the Christians live looking forward to that time. They live looking forward to that time. They live pressing on towards that time because that is where their life actually is. Because in this earth, our outward man keeps perishing. Yeah. But then, we, we shall not see corruption. We shall not die. In fact, in Revelation chapter 7, verse 17, he talks about the lamb. The lamb. Say the lamb. Revelation chapter 7 verse 17. The lamb himself, he says that, For the lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of waters and God will wipe away every, say every, say every, including your own. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Because the lamb in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to the living fount of fountains of waters. In chapter 24, chapter 21 of Revelations, verse 4, it says, we read it last week, it says that, for, for, and God will wipe away every tears from their eyes. Tell someone, God will wipe away your tears. Or say it like someone who believes it. And God will wipe away every tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death. Revelation 21 verse 4. And there, sh- there shall be no more death. Say no more death. No more death. There shall be no more sorrow. Say no more sorrow. No more sorrow. Nor crying. Say no, no, more crying. no more crying. There shall be no more pain. Say no more pain. No more For the former things shall pass away. The things of old shall pass away. Why are you so worried? Why are you so worried as though nothing will change? Things are changing. Everything created is changing very fast. Everything is changing. The only thing that does not change is your life. The life you have received from Jesus Christ. And that will continue to get better and you enjoy better and better. Shout hallelujah. That is why they said I believe in the everlasting life. I believe in life everlasting. I believe in life that has not end here. And so I may be going through some stuff now, but there is coming a time when there shall be no more death. There shall be no more sorrow. There shall be no more pain. For the Lord shall wipe away every tears from their eyes. Shout hallelujah. If you don't have this kind of life, you are of all men most miserable. I don't care what kind of car you drive. I don't care what kind of uh, clothes you wear. The designer, even the designers, even they are they are they are fighting for their lives. I don't care what kind of house you live in. You can choose not to die again. Stay in that house. Let the the house keep you alive. Actually, no no house will be permanent. Years to come, this building will not be here. Hallelujah. Amen. But there's something that transcends human understanding, transcends the, 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 the limits of humanity. It's called everlasting life. Yeah. Have you got it? He says that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish. That means if you haven't done it, you are perishing. I, I never got my, my head around it because I've been thinking about the amount, the, the amount of money that, was, that went waste. Uh, when, when those planes flew into the Twin Towers, the, the kind of caliber of chief executives in that building. 
Some of them, they are kind of cast. Even just the pen alone, about 7,000 pounds. Just a pen. Yeah, Mont Blanc. It's just there. Just a pen. They are desk, marble desk. I mean, think about it. Maybe one office can buy you three houses. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, these are big, big boys. Big boys. Even the caliber of the, the, the caliber of intelligence that were in that building. And that alone, the wealth that was in that building, the caliber of people, the chief executives, they all perished in a moment. In a moment, they all perished. When, most times, when, when a commercial plane, a commercial aircraft crashes, do you know the caliber of Uga? business, all those in business class as well? Can you imagine? Can you, can you imagine? Both economy and business class, they all, they all perish. When the uh, Malaysian flights entered the Atlantic, everyone, everyone. And usually they'll say that, and all on board So human beings are that frail. So, why do you think that the quality of your life has to do with what you have and who you know? And the devil blinds people, makes them oh, this is, I'm not religious. You are dying, you are saying you are not religious. Who who is religious? Come for life. Come for life. We are talking about life. Life. Talking about life. And life which is everlasting, everlasting, ever, not just ever existence, but it, it's, it's a good life forever. Because those who are not born again, when they die, they will also uh, uh, resurrect, but they will resurrect unto shame, condemnation. Daniel chapter 12, verse 2. Some will resurrect to everlasting. Put Daniel chapter 12, verse 2 on the screen. Let, let's just read that text again. He said, and many of those who sleep, in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Hey, uh, listen, some of us, you know, life has not been good to you. Even though you try to make it good, you've suffered too much. Why do you have to go and go and suffer again? It's not smart to not to serve Jesus and give your life to Jesus. It's not smart. It's very shrewd and smart to connect yourself because you don't know when you are going to take your last breath anyway. It's not a trend, but it's a fact. Yes. Because as I said last week, we are all on one-way tickets. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone, the body, the body, this physical body, is on one-way ticket to a certain destination called grave. The older you get, the closer you get to it. <laughs> it's not nice at all, isn't it? Yeah. But to the Christian, there's a better hope. To the Christian, there's a better hope. Yes. So when he, when he prayed for them in Ephesians, he said, I pray that the God, God would grant you the spirit of revelation and understanding the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, you may know the hope of your calling. That's the first thing he said, the first thing. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 18. The first thing you have to know is this call that God has given you, the hope that it comes with. In Colossians chapter 1, verse, verse, verse 27, it said, Christ in you, the hope of glory. So Christ outside of you, the shame to come. <laughs> Christ in you, the hope of glory. You hope to glory, 
Christ in you. Everlasting life. It's very interesting. They wanted it. See, that's what God has always meant for humanity. And so, theologians call something the period of probation. When Adam and Eve, they were created in innocence, and they had the period of probation, either to choose to love God and receive the life of God eternally, or disobey God and be con- enter into condemnation. So Adam and Eve disobeyed God, and condemnation came, and they died. They missed God. So Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says, For all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. Romans chapter 5, verse, tw- verse 12 says that, For by one man sin came into the world, all right? And therefore, death, and death through sin, and therefore death passed over all men because of Adam's sin. But Christ made a way for us so that by also one man Christ, life, Bible talks about how Christ has abolished death. So abolished death. Said death came on all men, Christ also came and abolished death. So that whosoever, say whosoever, Whosoever believes in him should not perish because everyone is perishing. But if you believe in him, you just jump out and then you come into everlasting life. You receive the life of God. So when Adam and Eve sinned, God drove them out of the garden by something that some most of you have not heard or you haven't read. Some of you might have read it, but some have maybe noticed it. In Genesis chapter 3, after God told them, because you have done this um, serpent, this is your curse that is coming upon you. Um, um, Eve, this is the curse that is coming upon you. Man, this is the curse that, curse that is coming upon Adam. That's the curse that is coming upon you. And then when he finished, when in verse 24, Genesis chapter 3, verse 24, something very interesting happened. Verse 24 said that, watch this, so he, he, talking about God, that's why it's capital H, so he drove out the man and he placed, now the man there means Adam and Eve, okay, man, and he placed, watch this, he placed cherub at the east of the garden of Eden and a flaming sword which turns every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Cherub is angel. Special angel. God drove them out of the garden and he put a bodyguard there. At the, to guard the tree of life because man will go and eat that. If he eats that tree of life, then he will have life everlasting with his sinful state. So that's why Jesus said that I am the bread of life. If you eat me, now you have the everlasting life. So from that time on, man has been looking for ways to get to everlasting life. So he says that all these things you are looking for, you perish, you eat. All this water, you drink and you get thirsty again. But if you come to me and drink, if you come to me and drink, you will never thirst again. Go, I've got it. And when you read Revelation, it talks about how he shall make, he that endures shall be made to eat of the tree of life. And so he guarded it and Jesus Christ in his coming brought life and immortality to light. That thing that has been blocked, the God, God put cherub them and a flaming sword which turns every angle. In other words, it's like a security camera that can go everywhere. It's 360 degrees. There's no way you can pass, it can't pick you up. It turns at every angle, a sword, it cuts every angle. Place the sword there to guard the tree of life. But guess what? Because of Christ, now we have everlasting life. So when the Apostle Apostle Christ said, I believe in the forgiveness of sin, that is where it leads to. Forgiveness of sins leads to everlasting life. 
Let's say that together. Forgiveness of sins leads to everlasting life of enjoyment, life of peace, where there's no more pain. Whilst others will be in shame and in pain and in sorrow, he said there shall be no more death, there shall be no more sorrow, there shall be no more pain, for God himself shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 12, and verse 11 and 12, it talks about Jesus Christ is the everlasting life. First John, quickly. <laughs> 1 John chapter 5, verse 11 and 12. Thank you, Jesus. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. And where is this eternal life? It is the Son. All right. Let's all read it together. Let's go. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. He's given it to us by His Son. Verse 12. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. It's as simple as that. It's straightforward. Do you have the Son? Yes, you have life. Do you have the Son? No, you don't have life. It's not philosophy. It's not religion. It's fact. Oh, I don't believe. You die and you'll find out. <laughs> when you die, it will be too late, but that's when you'll find out. You'll die and you'll be on your way straight to hell. It's like straight elevator. That when it goes down, it's bringing you. You know, I don't know how many of you have had a dream before. Maybe you are in the elevator, you are falling. See the way you even feel. And this one is going to be for real, for real. And you've been there for real. Man, I'm going, I'm going. And it's very deep. And so, can you give me a chance? I'll believe it's too late. We told you, Pastor David kept telling you. He kept telling you, and you're not listening. He kept telling you. Because you felt too intelligent, too important. Now, die with this intelligence. Believe in the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. Someone say amen. amen. I wanted to finish it up today, but permit me, I'll finish this next week with I'll summarize all everything and then emphasize on the amen. amen. <laughs> Someone shout amen. amen. Shout amen. amen. Shout amen. amen. Next week, I'm going to preach on a message called. Amen. Shout hallelujah. Did you receive something? Put your hands together for the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to this message by David Entry. You're welcome to connect with David Entry on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. You can also find more life-changing messages from Caris Church on YouTube and all relevant streaming platforms. Don't forget to subscribe, like and share this message. Be blessed.